This edition of Locked On Capitals, your Washington Capitals fall to the Philadelphia Flyers. What went wrong? Let's get into that next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form, so head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up or leave some comments. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. So in this episode, we will talk about what went wrong with the Capitals against the Flyers. Definitely not the outcome that I think most people saw coming. The Flyers are not playing that great this year. But as of late, they are playing pretty well. All in all, the Flyers have won six of seven. So that's one of the things that I talked about in the show is going into these games, not necessarily even a trap game, but sort of because the Capitals were played undisciplined. We'll talk about that later in the show. Then later, we will talk about what the Capitals have to do to rebound. The rematch is Saturday in D.C. What do the Capitals have to do to avoid another outcome like this? So just to get it going here, your Washington Capitals do, in fact, fall to the Flyers by a score of 5-3. to three. Uh, Darcy Kemper saved a 31 of 35 and, you know, it wasn't probably a game that he's going to look back on as one of his better games, but ultimately... The onus of all this doesn't uh, lie squarely on his shoulders. It has to do with the uh, undisciplined play in front of him. Um, Just the Capitals not being tuned in as to what they need to do. They know how to win these games, but ultimately, it seems like they forgot what they're doing. And I'll talk about that a little bit later in this show, is you're starting to see certain things come into focus uh, with Nick Baxter and Tom Wilson in the lineup. It seems to me that... To a certain extent, it's either chemistry or the rest of the team is thinking that number 43 and 19 are going to do everything for this team. And uh, I just don't think that uh, that is a real recipe for success. Uh, Travis Konechny recorded his second career hat trick, scoring the final goal into an empty net with 13 seconds remaining to ice a game. Washington had multiple opportunities to not in the final minutes, writes the Athletic and you know, it was one of the games the Capitals got off to the right foot, but they had that comeback. They had that pushback in the third period. There were times watching the game that I thought they were going to to come back. You know, you saw that goal by Marcus Johansson. And then, you know, the Capitals pulled the Darcy Kemper and they got the empty netter. I'm like, well, that's it. It's all she wrote. Uh, that's the end of the game. And, um, you know, it's one of those games, you know, I think the Capitals went into And they saw that, well, we're playing the Flyers, and the Flyers are not playing that well this year. We should have an easy time against them. And uh, one of the things they didn't anticipate was the Flyers' hunger. They know that they're probably, you know, unless something crazy happens, they're not going to make it 
into the playoffs. So they would love nothing more than to play spoiler to a team that might, you know, and have potential for doing great things in the playoffs. And there's kind of a long history, a rivalry, if you will, between the Capitals and the Flyers. You see, you know, several years ago when they faced them in the uh, playoffs, that kind of thing, that was a Flyers team that was a lot better. But I think some of that is still a bit of a hangover there. And, you know, at the end of the day, there are two NHL teams that want to beat each other, right? And the Capitals are higher in the standings, but the Flyers, they're hungry to prove, and John Tortorella is hungry to prove that his team has what it takes. And they had that good pushback. Travis Konechny coming up big. The Capitals got goals by Garnet Hathaway, Marcus Johansson, and TJ Oshie, uh, who, uh, uh, let's see here, who also got 31 saves from Darcy Kemper. Uh, and like I talked about off the top there, Darcy Kemper, you know, got the loss on this one. The loss was just their second in regulation in a dozen games. And, um, you know, just like I say, this can't rest squarely on Darcy Kemper's shoulders. I mean, if the defense and the players in front of him are not playing the way they're supposed to play, he can't save everything. You see this quite often around the NHL where you see this really great goalie who plays well on one team. That one team has really great defense. And then that goalie, you know, his contract is up and he gets picked up on a team and he goes somewhere else and he plays really poorly. And everyone kind of wonders, well, what happened to him? He was such a great goalie. See Braden Holtby when he left the Capitals to go to Vancouver. Um, is the defense is poor. And, you know, Darcy Kemper is only as good as the players in front of him. You know, it's he's not the only guy on the ice. Uh, he is reliant on the defense and the other players in front of him to, to help make those uh, great defensive moves, to kind of clear the puck, to not keep him under pressure the entire game. And I'm not saying that none of the blame goes on him, but um, we can't uh, put this one squarely on Darcy Kemper. I thought we kept fighting back, Coach Peter Laviolette said in the third. I thought we had chances to tie that game and just didn't get it done. That's frustrating, but there's things we didn't do, uh, and we shot ourselves in the foot. Um, and one of those things that uh, the Capitals did to shoot themselves in the foot is Oshie's hooking infraction with 79 seconds remaining as the Caps pushed for the tying goal four minutes earlier. Oshie had scored the Caps' second goal of the third period to pull the Capitals within four to three. And, you know, I don't want to put a lot of blame on this, on T.G. Oshie. He is one heck of a player, but we are all fallible. We all make mistakes. They are not robots at the end of the day. They are hockey players. And generally speaking, T.G. Oshie makes really sound decisions on the ice. So I don't want to say, T.G. Oshie, what were you doing out there? Because even the greatest players in the world, you know, make an error. They cough up a puck. They don't make the right save, whatever the case may be. So T.J. Oshie scored a goal, and then he had, uh, you know, an infraction there, which caused the uh, Flyers to score a goal. It happens, but, you know, it's one of the things is that you got to learn uh, from your mistakes. And a little bit later, we'll talk about what the players thought. Uh, in particular, well, we know what we're talking about here. One of the things that Oshie said is, is, we could have tied that thing up. A lot of stick penalties today, including mine. That comes down to working a little bit harder on defense and using your legs instead of your stick. Got to learn from that. Um, and, you know, that's an honest assessment of, of oneself, of saying, you know, I made a mistake. Oftentimes when you, you know, deal with uh, professional athletes and they get to this kind of level, they don't want to kind of take any of the blame of something that they did wrong because, you know, it just doesn't look good for them. So they'll say, well, you know, we would have played better, but it was that guy over there, or that guy over there. 
So for him to be kind of self uh, introspective and look at himself and, you know, kind of self deprecating to a certain extent and say, Hey, you know, I made a mistake and uh, we all got to work on that. That's honesty. That's what we want uh, from the Cavs players is to kind of, if they made a mistake, own that mistake and learn from that mistake. And I have no doubt in my mind that TJ Oshie will do that. He is a steady force on this team. He is a leader on this team. You know, like I've talked about in this podcast, the Capitals always play better with TJ Oshie in the lineup. Is he going to be perfect every game? No, Alex Ovechkin is not going to be perfect in every game. Uh, You know, Alex Ovechkin has done a lot of things in his career to rectify his defensive play because that was one of the things that was said about him in his younger day was that he was so horrible on defense. You know, great offensively, but horrible on defense. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is even some of the best players out on the ice can make mistakes. And it's, you know, it's not a fair thing to do to kind of, you know, place it all on their shoulders. I thought we had more attack this game than we did last game. He said, there's some lines that I liked the Nick Dowd line I liked, but they had played together before. Again, we're focusing on the pairs. LaViolette was referring to the preferred method of line construction, identifying a pair, a center and a wing who work well together, then experimenting with a third player until something sticks. See Ovi and Evgeny Kuznetsov, Dowd and Hathaway are another. The other two, well, that's a work in progress. So, you know, it was one of the things that we talked about in this show is that, you know, Anthony Mantha is out of the lineup. Hey, you want to, you want to know something? If they have a couple losses here, I would not be surprised to see Anthony Mantha draw back into the game. Um, if they're, you know, for some reason, say they go on a losing streak here, I don't think it's going to happen, but say it does, you know, Anthony Mantha, who I think felt pretty, you know, dejected that he got kind of relegated to a healthy scratch, I think may have a role on this team. Like I talked about with Matt Wyrick, they're paying Anthony Mantha a lot of money. He's going to have his spot. And it's good that the Capitals have someone like Anthony Mantha in their back pocket um, to, to draw from. But, you know, just to kind of talk about what Peter Laviolette was talking about, the top line was Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and Sonny Milano. Just think about that for a minute. Sonny Milano, who was picked up from a PTO from the Calgary Flames, um, no one wanted him around the NHL. He comes to the Capitals and has played so well that he's playing on the top line with Alex Ovechkin. I don't even think Sonny Milano himself uh, ever saw that coming. So it just goes to show you that, you know, Brian McClellan and Ross Mahoney and all the guys that work for him, just a really good eye for kind of spotting these diamonds in the rough. And Sonny Milano, all in all, I think has played pretty well for this team and just a really solid pickup. The big thing for me to take away from this game is that, um, you know, they they got, have to work more as a team and they can't make those stupid penalties and they can't rely on Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom to do everything out there. Um, so again, there could be an opportunity out there for Mantha and Nicholas Abe Kubel. Uh, one of the things that Peter Laviolette said is that Nick Abe Kubel really didn't do anything. It's just that they didn't have enough room. But I would not be surprised to see if I'm going to make you know a knee-jerk reaction. I say that Nicholas Abe Kubel goes in before Anthony Mantha just because, well, uh, Kubel has really done nothing wrong. He just he was the odd man out. There wasn't enough room. So it's going to be interesting to see when he slots back in. He's got good wheels. He's got a good shot. And he brings that physical aspect to the game. All right. So after the break, we talked about what we think the Capitals did, what they, what we think went wrong. But what do the Capitals players themselves think went wrong? We'll talk about that next.
BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. And guys, even if you're not into gambling, you could bet on an upcoming Capitals game like the Capitals take on the Flyers. It makes watching the games that much more exciting. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this episode, we are talking about your Washington Capitals as they fall to the Philadelphia Flyers. A game I don't think that anyone really saw the Capitals losing. The Caps have won some good, big games against some big opponents, but then they go in, they go into Philly, they play the Flyers, and they fall. It happens. I mean, some of the best teams out there can fall to a lower opponent. Why is it? It's the team the lower team that's hungry. They're more hungry than the Capitals in this case. Uh, The Flyers were were more hungry. And like I talked about, the Flyers, again, I don't see any real great things from them this year, but they have won six of seven. So they are trending in the right direction. Is there something crazy out there that could happen and the Flyers could make a push? I guess anything's possible. I personally don't see that happening right now, but in this segment, we will talk about the Capitals players themselves. What do they think went wrong? T.J. Oshie, when he was talking about you know, what wasn't working on the offense, he says, they were doing a pretty good job trying to keep us to the exterior in the ozone. We struggled a little bit breaking the puck out and moving down the ice and getting it deep, so definitely not our best. Um, and that's you know one of the things they have to do. They have to work better. On, on clearing that puck and keeping, you know, working it in the, on the other end of the ice. You know, if they're constantly in a defensive posture, it's that much more difficult for the Capitals to get any production. On him struggling, relating to the line changes with Backstrom and Wilson, still acclimating, he says, I don't know if we can put too much into that, really. I think most of these guys have been playing at a pretty high level for about a month and a half here, and you're bound to have a little lull at times, at times, When you're winning games, I feel like the other teams elevate their game a little bit. I think they're on a little bit more of a run here of finding success. So we definitely got to be sharper, but I think we came out pretty good tonight. Um, You know, I guess, you know, that is an interesting take on it considering the outcome of the game. But, you know, that was one of the things that I had spoke of off the top of this show is about the chemistry with the Capitals. Wilson and Backstrom coming to this team. On paper, it seems like a home run, right? It does. Uh, you see Wilson and Backstrom have this long history with this team. The, the, the question, and, you know, the thing about it is, is the Capitals were playing so well uh, with the lineup before they were in it, before Wilson and Backstrom. They got used to the players that were on the ice. And I think to a certain extent, they felt like they had to try and push that much harder. Uh, so when they came out of the lineup, now all of a sudden it's Wilson and Backstrom, and I think kind of subconsciously they kind of sat back on their heels a little bit and said, well, we don't have to maybe try as hard as we once did, right? Um, and you can see the outcome of that. That is not TJ's uh, TJ Oshie's assessment of things, but as an outsider, as someone that watches the games, that's what it appeared to me on things coming together in the third period. Yeah. I think besides a couple of penalties, I think maybe we could have tied that thing up a lot of stick penalties today. 
Um, and he that's what he was talking about there on Backstrom getting his first point. Definitely, I told him earlier that I was struggling trying to get him the puck tonight. So it usually works out better when he has it in his hands and gets it to me. So it's always nice to get one on the tape from 19. He's going to get the assist, that's for sure. But I'm sure it's nice for him to get that one as well. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, you want to get that production from Backstrom as well. The real pleasant surprise for me about Backstrom is that the outlook for his procedure was that he was going to come back at the end of the season, maybe the beginning of next season. He has played and he doesn't look like he's in no, any noticeable pain. I guess I'm not in his body to know what's going on, but from, uh, observations, it seems that he is playing better than he has ever played. And uh, to get Nick Backstrom totally dialed in, I still think there is an acclimation pro um, process out there, right? These guys have missed the lion's share of the season. They're getting plugged in after the midway point of the season. There's going to be a bit of a curve. Nick Backstrom has said as much as he, that his first game back was the most nervous he's been in a long time, just because he, it felt so foreign to him that these guys were kind of all working in a direction. And, you know, a guy that's been on the team for a long time who kind of stepped in and it's like, Hey guys, remember me? Um, and I understand that they've all been practicing together and that kind of thing, but nothing replaces those real world reps. And I think, you know, eventually that Nick Backstrom and Tom Wilson will acclimate. Um, it's just, I think that it's, Again, it's messing with that chemistry a little bit. The Capitals were playing so well uh, before they came in that it's going to take some time. Garnet Hathaway, who's that sandpaper personality out there, uh, along with Tom Wilson, on sustaining pressure and what led to turning uh, things around. I think we have to continue to focus on those big momentum swing shifts. We got a couple of the other uh, first power play. That's the way we want to start. And when it goes in, we're already fighting back. We want to score the first goal of the game, and we didn't. So we're clawing back. And the analytics on the Capitals are that. And it's similar to a lot of the uh, you know, other teams in the NHL. Is the team that scores first generally wins games. The Capitals are well known for their resilience in the second period. But the Capitals ultimately, like a lot of other teams... They always perform better when they're playing from ahead than trying to claw their way back into it. Uh, that's kind of been one of the bugaboos of the Capitals for some time. Garnet Hathaway talks about online combinations. We've all played with each other enough at practice that we know each other's tendencies. I wouldn't say it was sticking your toe in the water for the game to try and create connections. I think we just didn't execute and we then we didn't work hard enough to get the puck back. I think as the game went, we started to do more and more. And we need to bring that momentum two nights from now when we're playing that team. And that's what they have to do. Um, you know, and it's going to be a bit of a payback for the Capitals. They're playing at home in D.C. Um, they need to show this Flyers team. The Capitals need to show their fan base that they actually have it. They can have that resiliency to come back and win these games. Otherwise... Um, it's not going to bode well for this team going forward. You have to face adversity and overcome. And the Capitals, especially in the month of December, have done that. They need to do that going forward. Um, if you remember this team in the beginning of the season, if they faced any kind of losses or they came from any kind of deficit, they kind of just folded into each other and they lost the game. But the Caps need to take the success of December and keep that rolling forward through the remainder of the season if they want to have any success going forward. All right, so after the break here, we will talk about what the Capitals have to do in the game Saturday and what is what do they have to do the rest of the season to maintain in their winning ways We'll talk about that next.
Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you gotta try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got the thing for you. You gotta try a Built Bar. With Built Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious you won't want you won't believe they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how they did it, but Built has done it again. These bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. So... We've talked about for a long time that you can order Built Bars at Built.com, but it gets better for years. We've been talking about that, but now you can get them at Sam's Club and Walmart. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this next segment, we'll talk about what the Capitals have to do to continue winning. You know, we've talked about how well they played in the month of December and how are they going to continue that to go forward. Um, they have faced some adversity and the adversity has come in kind of an odd place. It's come internally. And what do I mean when I say that? We've talked about this off the top. Tom Wilson, Nick Backstrom coming back. It kind of has taken the chemistry. It's taken the Petri dish and, and, and wound it all up. Are they going to be able to overcome? Is Wilson and Nick Backstrom, are they going to be able to acclimate? And are they going to be able to help this team go forward? As we talked about, there were a lot of pieces that were added throughout the season. Sonny Milano, Nicholas Abe-Kubel, you know, brief stints with Connor McMichael, all of it has been put in a pot and stirred together in hopes of making a winning recipe of success for the Capitals. It went very well for them in the month of December. You add Wilson, you add Backstrom. Are they going to be able to find a way to overcome? They will be put to the test Saturday as they face a surging Flyers team. And it's kind of a funny thing to say since they are somewhat lower in the standings is that they are facing an opponent that on paper the Capitals are far superior. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. That Flyers team was hungry to prove to the rest of the NHL that, you know, we're not as bad as our record shows, that we might actually make a push here. And even if they don't make it to the playoffs, it's about those players on the Flyers having jobs in the future. John Tortorella is a very tough coach to play for, I'm told. So if you don't perform despite the fact of what your record is, you're not going to have a spot on this team. And John Tortorella expects a lot from his players. Subsequently, that's why those players perform. That's why the Capitals saw the Flyers team that they saw last night. That's what they're going to have to be ready for Saturday as they take on that Flyers team at home. Hopefully... 
the Capitals can learn from their mistakes. Like we talked about in the earlier segment, what are the, some of the things that they're going to have to work on? It's going to have to be working on not making, you know, inopportune penalties at the wrong time. Every time is a wrong time to have a penalty, but Oshie getting that penalty late in the game that led to scoring was not optimal. The Capitals were surging. They were, you know, looking to do a big comeback. You take a look at Marcus Johansson scoring that goal in the third Everyone thought that they were going to tie this game up and, you know, the Capitals might have been the victors in this case, but it was an inopportune play getting penalties that led to the Philadelphia Flyers success. If they can, in fact, learn from that, then I think it's good. And one of the things, too, is is Peter Laviolette, you know, shaking up the lines and the D pairings is to try to find something that works together and not continually keep changing it. I think that the lines looked pretty good before um, Wilson and Nick Backstrom came back, but now it's kind of, you know, a, a set of uneases. Who is actually going to slot in? We know where Tom Wilson fit in uh, before he got injured. He was on that top line right wing. Where Where is he now? He's kind of going up and down the lineup. Same goes for Nick Backstrom. I think that they just need to find what sticks and go with it. Don't constantly try to keep shaking things up. You're never going to find any cohesiveness that way. Um, if you take a look at it all season, they tried to do that with Kuznetsov and Strom kind of vacillating between the top and second line uh, center position. And then they ultimately went with what worked. Connor Sherry spent the line share of the top uh, on the top line right wing. Keep going with that. Don't try to keep tinkering with things throughout the entire season. That is not the recipe for success. The other thing they're going to have to do is keep building on wins, riding that momentum forward. Um, and that's what the Capitals are going to have to do. They are sitting in a lot better position right now in January than they were in October, November. That's for sure. But you can't rest on former glory. The Capitals team has got to find a way to keep that momentum going forward. They want to keep a push going up the standings if they want to have any chance for doing things in the postseason. I do think that this team is stacked. I would dare say they have the best in my opinion, a tandem in the NHL, maybe the Bruins is uh, is better, but they're right up there. You have Darcy Kemper and you have Charlie Lindgren. That is a really great one-two combo. So you have that position solidified. It was that position last year. They Everyone said the Capitals would be good except for their net minding. So you can go ahead and take that and scratch that off. They have solid net minding. They have Wilson. They have Backstrom. They have Oshie back. You can start crossing off all the excuses. Um, you can't start just drawing to the outliers. You can't say, well, the Capitals would have played better if it was John Carlson. The Capitals need to play better for themselves. They have it within that locker room to win hockey games. There is a long pedigree of winning between those players that's in that locker room. You take a look at Wilson and Backstrom and Ovechkin and Oshie and Kuznetsov. Those guys have played together for a lot of time, and they've had a lot of success together. They have it within that locker room to win games. So um, when people start pointing to things, they would do, but except for, you know, those are the same people that make excuses for everything in their life. I would be more successful if I had a million dollars. That's not the way life works. You have to kind of draw internally. And I think that's what the Capitals do. They have the ingredients to do it. They have Peter Laviolette, who is the winningest U.S. born coach. Everything on paper is sketched out. And for me right now in January, it looks like it's going to be successful. Is it going to be as successful as a Stanley Cup? I guess that remains to be seen. 
I do think they have what it takes to make it to the postseason, and I do think that they have it within them to make it past the first round. And I know that that is not the above-all, end-all, but for me, they haven't made it past the first round since 2018. That in and of itself would be a great hurdle. Last year, the big bugaboo was goaltending, you know, and I think kind of failed them in the postseason. Tom Wilson being injured in the first game of the playoffs, not optimal. The Capitals are getting healthy at the right time of the year after the midway point. The one thing we have to hope for and cross our fingers is that there's no other injuries facing this team. And then I think the arrow's pointing up. And I think the Caps fans, we just need to be positive and not dwell too much on one-off game. And that's ultimately all it was, was one-off game where they lost to the Flyers. If they can find that resiliency to beat that same team on Saturday, then I think you can go ahead and just in your mind, go ahead and cross out that loss in the first game to the Flyers. I think they have that resiliency. I think they can do it. They have it within that locker room. And I think the Capitals fans and the Capitals players need to believe in themselves. All right. Once again, I want to thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. My name is Dan Holmey, and I'll talk to you again next time.